everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. And my name is Mike. Hi, Mike. Hey, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Good, good. What's new with you, kiddo? I went to the dermatologist yesterday. Oh, yeah. You got sliced up real nice. Sliced and diced. This is a friendly reminder to listeners to do your yearly skin checks because I skipped at least a year. Silly me. Very neglectful. Which is not good, especially because you're a little moly, I would say. Well, I'm fair. Well, I wouldn't say I'm fair skinned, but I'm, you know, I'm decently light skinned. We live in the friggin' sunshine state of any states, you know, that would be a risk for skin cancer. Florida would be at the top. Yep. Florida, Californians. Uh, any of your sunny, sure. high altitude type of locations are higher risk. So it was just a stupid decision I made to skip and I'm kicking myself and just waiting to see. I suspect... I had a spot on my ear. I suspect that's going to be a problem. Yeah, the dermatologist said that's a pretty uh, common common place spot for skin cancer. Right. So I might have to have a deeper procedure done if that does come back. So, so and uh, I'm smiling if you're watching this on YouTube. I'm smiling because not because of the cancer on that's my wife. Sick. Uh, more so because we were going for a walk this morning, and Allison's like, "Okay, put on your sunblock, everybody." I'm like, "I don't put on sunblock in the winter time in Florida when we're going for like an hour walk." She's like, and then she goes to Google, uh, "Google." If you're taking a two-hour walk in Florida in the sun, do I need sunblock? I'm like, okay, the search term you are looking for is actually going to support your basis, obviously. I would bet my money if you ask any dermatologist, you know, Mike's big thing is the vitamin D. I don't want to block the vitamin D. It's like, well, I think cancer trumps that. I don't know. Does vitamin D prevent cancer? You know, a lot of people are vitamin D deficient. Let's ask the experts. How about we do that? Next skin check you do, you have a little convo with your doctor and we'll go from there. I will. Okay, good. And we'll go with whatever he says. And I'll ask it in a certain way. I'll be like, so should I stay out of the sun and always put sunblock on every piece of my body every single time, doc? That's like the opposite of the question that you had. Well, you're not going to stay out of the sun. We live in a world. You're not a hermit crab. So be realistic. Okay, I will. You son of a gun. And just in case you're a new listener, clearly we are a very dysfunctional couple. Well, sarcastic. (laughs) Sarcastic. I wouldn't say dysfunctional. We do pretty good in the most part, I would say. Yeah, for sure. We've been married almost 22 years. Let's give it up. You know, we're not... Not living in that games. butterfly games magic here. Oh, I definitely don't feel butterflies when I kiss you. <laughs> There's no butterflies whatsoever. None, zero. Um, those butterflies ended what? Those those butterflies died probably 20 years <laughs> those ago? Those butterflies have decayed. They are dust in the wind. Now, do we still make out? Uh, yeah, sure. Do we love each other? Yes. Yeah, and, and do I feel other things when we're making out? Absolutely. You know, does the blood rush play? Yeah, you know. Oh, okay. I'm just saying. Okay. You know, my brain because of your no, brain. No, nobody needs to hear about it. That's all. So so anyway, if you haven't already tuned out, <laughs> we're a married couple and we talk about a horrible, horrible true crime situation. I am the one presenting. Mike has absolutely no idea the topic of conversation. So when he's reacting and listening, it's the first time he's ever heard it. Oh, and um, so there's somebody that suggested a case. We do have case suggestions on our link tree and uh, you can see it in the show notes. But um, sometimes people say things on like Instagram and which is fine, whatever way you want to. But she was like, hey, if this is Mike reading this, just want to let you know that. So I just took a screenshot and I sent it to mm-hmm. Alice and I'm like, I read everything online. I also won't go online because there's a couple bad comments every once in a while. But yeah, I just mentally mental health wise, I do better when I'm not online a lot. And somebody had posed a question, this one doctor I follow online and he's like, what do you do to help your mental health? And I say, I really try to limit my time spent on social media. And you know what? I just realized we sound so old because do you think like 30 year olds say online? 
I don't know. I don't. I think online is like a older person. I thing. am who I am, and that's who I am. <laughs> like it or not, this is me. Like, do you see, do you hear like millennials or Z Gen Z or like, hey, I got to go online and find like, yeah, no. That's what do just, they say? Just using you know social media, I guess. I don't oh. know. Well, they can do them, and I'll do me. How yeah. about that? And me too. I'll Perfect. Do too. <laughs> okay. But, All right. Well, we got talking We're about back making in that out. uncomfortable situation. Yeah, we again. got talking about making out. That's my bad. So the point is, if you're a new listener, welcome. If you're of you know long time listener, welcome back, and we love you guys. And also on the note of case suggestions, we do appreciate each and every one of them. I read each and every one that is suggested. I take it into consideration. Please take no offense if you don't hear your case suggested because I promise you, I'm not, you know, doing it to slight you at all. Oh, so uh, there's only one of me is kind of the point. You're, you're saying that because we specifically got a message from somebody saying like, I really like listening to you guys, but you didn't take any of my suggestions. So good luck. And I was like, well, I guess we're not for everybody. You and know, I'm that's sorry okay. if that's the case. That's I, okay. You can go listen to other places. I gave her a couple of ideas and we have lots of friends, you know, till death to us part, true crime couple. They're both fantastic. Go, go listen to them. Mm-hmm. They're great deal people. I never mean to offend. No, not at all. So if you're ready to jump into it, I don't know. Do you have anything else to add here? <sighs> so many. I have like seven different things, but I don't want to like bore everybody. Well, that's okay. We can do it for another time. Super Bowls this weekend. We can't do that another time. We're doing um, buffalo chicken choice baked potatoes I for can't the Super wait. Bowl. Those are wait, uh, but yeah, potatoes. I just love having the potatoes, and they're so filling and delicious. And you love buffalo chicken. <sighs> I love buffalo chicken. So what we're gonna do is bake the potatoes, scoop out the innards, and then mix it up with like a buffalo chicken mixture and. Yeah shredded cheddar cheese i mean come on guys what part of that could be possibly bad no now we have to put the link you know to the rest of the recipe we can't talk about things and then not Mm -hmm. share them uh speaking of which i if you follow us on instagram i showed you my stupid sock shoes that we talked about yeah and uh somebody actually asked me for the link because i said their husband would love them so hey hey to each their own they're the dumbest shoes ever and i agree and they're hideous and somebody said sorry mike but they're hideous i'm like no 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 i agree they are stupid and uh i always think of big daddy scuba steve yeah Whenever you wear them, well, That's what they're not my flippers, head. you know, they're not the fins or anything. Scuba Steve, right? They're, but and hey, if I ever go on vacation and I need sock shoes for the water, I You're got covered. You yeah. got. D- for the street, for the water, you can do anything in those shoes. I really feel kind of like Superman. You them. should. Or, or, or Aquaman, maybe? No, no. More like Spider-Man. Like, it feels like I could get on a building and there's like squat, you know, <laughs> and then look over everybody like I'm watching over. Oh, I Lord. have these stronger feet and I'm going to help anything. Okay. Yeah. So, so on that note, we will get started, people. Yeah. So thank you for being here. Uh, this is a very sad case. I think I say that every single time I go to start. So but we do remember that each individual case was the worst possible situation for these people and these families ever. So it's very important to take them very seriously. Yeah, and I will tell you that I never take any case lightly because I realize that this is an absolute tragedy and it's just sad. So this is the murder of Christina Grimmy. This is a listener suggestion. This is from Layla, so thank you so much. So, you know, I'll get started by saying that the desire for deranged and obsessive fans to harm famous people is sadly not a new idea. We think to John Lennon. First thing I thought of. Yep. And he was assassinated in 1980. Gianni Versace was assassinated in 1997. These are just a couple of many scenarios that we can say. Dimebag Daryl. I don't know who that is. Guitarist for Pantera. Oh, it's Uh, just. A fan came up on stage, shot him in the stomach. Absolutely tragic. So YouTube and social media has proved to take these obsessions even further. Go, you know, it's basically giving an open outlet to an unhinged fan to believe that they personally know their idol, that they have a closeness that does not exist in reality. 
And when their idol is staring directly into the camera lens, they might have this warped idea that this person is performing or speaking to them and them alone. Because it can give you an intimate access into a person's life, the internet fame can create a sense that a person is your friend, and you might feel angered by them as if they were your friend. It can just be a very tricky situation for certain people with certain mental health conditions. Well, you know, even myself, uh, you know, I don't know of any mental health conditions I have, but um, I listen to, I used to listen to radio shows a lot, driving into work and stuff. And you feel like these people are your friends, like the morning shows I listen to, talk radio. I'm like, you know, guy locally here in Tampa. Like, I feel like I kind of knew him, you know, Mm -hmm. he has no idea who I am. And it's like, no, that's not, that's not the case. But you know that they're not your friends. Yeah. I'm not going to go meet them and be like, Hey, we're the best buddy. Yeah. That that's where the mental illness comes in i see celebrities and i'm like oh if i knew them i'd be friends with them that's the type of people they seem like in my mind i know we're not friends so creators involve fans in achieving their dreams and goals and fans can feel a sense of ownership over these successes christina grimmie's murder proved to be a big wake-up call for many youtubers so christina victoria grimmie was born on march 12 1994 to parents tina and albert grimmie in marlton new jersey She had an older brother named Marcus, who also went by Mark. So when Christina was six years old, her family began to notice her talent for singing. And when she was 10, she started playing the piano. Christina saw her mom, Tina, who was a three-time breast cancer survivor, as a major inspiration for her music. Initially, she was very hesitant and resisted the attention from her talent, due to her just naturally introverted personality. But her brother, Mark, helped bring her out of her shell, and soon the nervousness started to fall away and replaced by growing confidence. So Christina was an active member of her church, which was Fellowship Alliance Chapel. She was also an animal rights activist who participated in fundraising events for the Humane Society. In 2009, when Christina was 15, she started to upload videos to YouTube under the username ZeldaXLove64, hoping to connect with people through her music. She chose this username because of her love of Nintendo and the Legend of Zelda series. The first video that she ever uploaded was a cover for Hannah Montana's Don't Want to Be Torn. It did not take long before she gained attention. She was exceptionally talented. She had a beautiful voice and she had just a bubbly, sweet, cute personality. In 2010, when she was a junior in high school, she transitioned to being homeschooled so that she could focus more on her music, have more time to put her efforts into that. That same year, she collaborated with two other YouTubers and covered Nelly's Just a Dream, which received more than 190 million views over the course of 10 years. In 2011, she placed number two in the My YouTube competition. She was actually number two behind Selena Gomez. Jeez. Yes. Wow. So, yeah, this person's pretty well known. Mm -hmm. Did you ask our kids if they know her? Uh, You know, I didn't, but I will. So as her popularity grew, Christina was discovered by Selena Gomez's mom. This is Mandy Teefy, who alongside Mandy's husband and Selena Gomez's stepdad, Brian, um, they soon became Christina's managers. In 2011, Christina performed backup vocals for Selena Gomez and began touring and independently uh, released her album, Find Me. In 2012, the family moved to Los Angeles so that she would be more equipped to grow her music career. 
Um, you know, they did this despite the fact that her mom, Tina, was in the midst of her chemo treatments. There were definitely sacrifices in focusing and promoting Christina's music, but the family believed in Christina and they wanted her dreams to become reality. They wanted to give her every chance they possibly could. Yeah, it's hard as a parent because you want them to be happy. And if she's doing something she truly loves, you know, there's not a, a lot of opportunities to make money in music. Uh, it's it's very rare, you know, mm-hmm. because in, it's fantastic. I want my kids to follow their dreams, but also be able to like live comfortably. So it's like, wow, this is the time. Like maybe she's got a couple of years and can make some money on this and like, you know, really, you know, maybe have a studio someday or whatever it might be, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like, let's grab it while we can. And everybody has to start from somewhere and they could see how talented she was. It's not like if your kid's singing, you're all like, oh, her voice kind of sucks. They're not going to move to LA and support, you know, not to say that you're going to tell your kid their voice isn't so good, but it's about being realistic. Well, it's not more about what you think. It's the millions of views that yeah. she's getting and that are showing that, yeah, yeah. she's got talent. She, she really did. So in 2014, at age 19, Christina auditioned for season six of The Voice, which is NBC's singing competition. She sang Miley Cyrus's Wrecking Ball, and all four coaches, which included Adam Levine, Usher, Shakira, and Blake Shelton, they all, if you're familiar with the show, they turned their chairs, which meant that they were interested in her. They wanted her on their her. Their team. Yes. So Adam Levine told her that her voice was amazing. She had an incredible stage presence. And both of these these things gave her the potential to be a huge star. She ultimately went on to choose Adam as her coach. And I would have done the same because he's hot. Um, Selena Gomez, which is interesting. Let's just stop a quick second. Adam Levine is probably what five foot ten and like one hundred fifty pounds. I have a feeling he's probably about six feet, six foot something. Okay, and uh, you got a six two, two hundred fifty pound husband over here, so totally different style. Yeah, but I'm telling you, he's probably carrying a good one too. I would guess. I so. wouldn't kick him out of the bedroom. Let's just no, say that. Sorry to sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Sorry to digress. So Selena Gomez supported Christina during her audition, and Justin Bieber, who Christina often covered on YouTube, supported her during the finale. Host Carson Daly indicated that he was shocked that Christina hadn't gone on to win that season. So Christina was described as a beautiful person with the biggest heart. She was said to be an incredible musician who was an even better friend. She had a carefree spirit, and her laughter lit up every room that she entered. Carson Daly described her as confident and incredibly sweet girl who you would never forget meeting. During her season on The Voice, Christina finished in third place. When the season ended, she signed a major record deal with Island Records. She was also offered to be signed by both Adam Levine and Lil Wayne. Wow. She released her single, Must Be Loved. Her popularity had grown by leaps and bounds. I think The Voice really helped, you know open her up to people knowing who she is. And by this time, she had over 3 million YouTube subscribers and 947,000 followers on Twitter. Christina's brother, Mark, often appeared on Christina's social media accounts. Sometimes he played the guitar while she played the piano. Mark said that he was in awe of his sister's talent and just how incredibly hardworking she was as a person. That's really nice. While on tour, Mark played guitar for Christina. He worked as her road manager. He generally kept an eye on her little things, making sure she was eating breakfast every morning. 
They goofed around together. They each sported a player one and player two video game tattoo that they wore on their inner arms. Wow. So they were super, super close. Super close. People were often enamored by the fact that the two rarely, if ever, fought as typical siblings might. Mark was always thankful that not only was this his little sister, but it was also his friend. That's awesome. They had a very special bond. By 2016, Christina had opened for Selena Gomez. She appeared on Ellen, the American Music Awards, Radio Disney, and she had just released a mini album called Side A. Christina continued to upload her videos to YouTube. She maintained her focus on keeping a real, unfiltered version of herself that she presented to her fans. So now we're moving on to Friday, June 10th, 2016, and 22-year-old Christina performed at the Plaza Live in Orlando. She was opening for the band Before You Exit. It was her last concert before she was set to head back to L.A. to catch up with her family and her dog, Chloe. She was looking forward to going to the E3 Gaming Expo. She had scored VIP tickets, so she was super pumped about that. I'm a big fan of E3. I had no idea what it was. It's electronics expo. So okay. there's games and other things too. But so as the crew was setting up for the stage, you know, for the performance, Christina and Mark hopped over to the pizza place next door that was in the plaza. They grabbed a few slices of cheese pizza. Christina was wearing her black crop top, a wraparound skirt, and black high heeled boots. When they returned back to the venue, Mark got the merchandise table at the back of the theater set up with posters of Christina, her most recent album, as well as t-shirts with her face and tour dates on them. The concert started at 7.30 p.m., and as Christina sang and performed, Mark played his red electric guitar. The event was attended by about 250 to 300 people. A half hour after the concert was about 10.30 p.m., and Christina was meeting with her fans. She was holding a meet and greet for those who had backstage passes, she was signing autographs. She was chatting with her fans as she always did. A uh, 250 people is not a lot. It's a small venue. Yeah. I mean, that'd be pretty cool to see somebody you like in that mm-hmm. small of a place. It's an intimate gathering. Um, it was like in a plaza of a place. Yeah. So one of the people in the crowd, this is 27 year old Kevin James Loible. He is from St. Petersburg, Florida, which is about a hundred miles away from Orlando. He arrived at the venue with two handguns and a hunting knife. A fellow fan named Destiny Rivera was standing behind Kevin as he walked over to the merchandise table where Christina stood. He was or she was talking with her fans. She was taking pictures. Destiny noticed that he seemed nervous and she could she could see that he was there by himself. She said that he kept looking around and moving like he was trying to find something to do. He was probably uncomfortable by the fact that he was by himself there. Destiny described his appearance as creepy, and he seemed to be around her age, which she was about 20. We know he's 27. He had no bag. He wore a black hat and a red red and black flannel shirt. As Kevin approached Christina, he didn't speak, but she opened her arms to give him a hug, which she often did to break the ice with fan who fans who were shy. So that was like her way of welcoming them. I'm a sweetheart. A total sweet girl. This was when he pulled out a gun and opened fire. Destiny suddenly heard a popping sound, which she initially thought was the sound of security guards popping balloons that fans had brought in. They had been doing that earlier, so there were popping sounds happening. She saw a yellow barricade fall, and two fans who had just met Christina had started to just bolt and run away. 
Destiny saw Christina's leg fall to the side on the ground like dead weight. She wasn't able to see her face at the time. It was at this point that Christina's brother, Mark, jumped over the merchandise table and Destiny turned to run. She heard another pop. Destiny had mentioned that she and her friends were late arriving to the gig. They got through security without ever being patted down. After shots were fired and fans realized what was happening, that this was actually gunfire and they need to get out, of course, mass chaos erupted and people started throwing themselves to the ground. They're covering their heads or they're fleeing to the exit. Destiny feels that Mark was a hero since Kevin came to the venue with three weapons and it's any wonder what intentions he had and what he could have continued to do. Yeah, if that was all he wanted to do, then he wouldn't need three guns. Right. Why do you have multiple weapons? So as Christina was innocently signing autographs and taking photos, she was surrounded by about 120 fans. Kevin shot her four times and almost immediately, this is when her brother Mark is jumping into action, he tackled Kevin to the ground. Mark later said that he wasn't afraid since there was no time for fear. He said, it was my first instinct to tackle him, so that's what I did. What a hero. Absolutely. Never hesitated. As fans ran for the exit, some were tripping and falling and hurting themselves. Mark continued to scuffle with Kevin. He ripped part of his flannel shirt. In the meantime, he recalls seeing Christina, his baby sister, who he loves as a best friend, on the floor as he was screaming bloody murder, as he's now jumping on Kevin and he began to strike him. Mark pulled the gun from Kevin's hand as his little sister lay dying on the ground. Mm. Somehow Kevin managed to wriggle free from Mark's grasp. He backed himself against the wall. This was when Mark saw Kevin pull out a second gun and he immediately thought in his head, this is the end. Kevin pushed instead of firing at anyone else. Thank God. Kevin pushed the gun to the side of his own head. He pulled the trigger. Oh, well, that's actually, I mean, he could have done a lot of damage. Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably one of the better the best case scenario if he was going to shoot again. Right. This was when Mark finally had the chance to exhale, look around the room. He's seeing that everyone had fled the building and it looked like a scene from a nightmare. There were two bodies on the ground bleeding at the same time. 56 year old doctor Mark McDonough, who is also the father of the three sons who make up the band before you exit. They were the ones that were there playing with Christina. He was escorting fans to meet their, you know, the sons when he heard the commotion, he rushed over to Kevin who was laying in a pool of blood that had poured from his body at the merchandise table to the stage, but he was already deceased and he doesn't know what the situation is here. He sees some kid laying there hurt. Yeah. And as a doctor, of course, he's going to respond. So as he ran to the second body, it's now dawning on him that this is Christina. He recognized her outfit. He felt that she had a weak pulse and she was trying to take a breath. When her pulse was lost, he immediately began CPR, and in the meantime, emergency crews are rushing to the scene. Christina was transferred to Orlando Regional Medical Center in critical condition, and tragically, she was pronounced dead at 10.59 p.m. Oh, my God. Isn't that just so awful? That's, uh, I mean, un- unthinkable. Yeah, all these people are going to see somebody that they love, and they love her music, and she's there like meeting and greeting everybody, and it's like, oh, I get a chance to go, you know, meet Christina, and she's super cool, and she ends up like you, you end up being there where she was shot, and then her brother, will, you know, watch the whole thing happen. Like, what, what horrible situation? It's just a scene from a nightmare. 
So it was around this time that Mark's phone rang. He's getting the news from the doctors that there was nothing that they could do. And it's his dad on the other end of the line. And he's calling just to simply check in to see how things were going. Oh, my God. You see the dad's calling and you're like, oh, my God. He has no idea his daughter is dead. No idea. Just like, hey, guys, how was the show type of situation? And Mark was out of breath. He could only say, dad, dad, dad. It was then that he had to deliver the devastating news that their daughter was gone. His sister was dead. Like, what do you say? You know, it's just like uh, somebody shot her and she's gone. Yeah. Like, are you, are you serious? Like, let's quit playing games. You know, you're the dad calling. You're like, okay, this is And nobody funny. would ever play that kind of games. Yeah. I mean, that's well, not you funny. Wanna, because you want to think that it's, there's it no way. Be. Yeah. It couldn't be true. Ugh. So when an Orlando police detective picked Christina's parents up at the airport, they wanted answers because they could not understand why this happened. Normally, fans' bags and purses are checked before entering the plaza live, but there were no metal detectors. As police learned more about Kevin, they found that there were a lot of clues that something wasn't right with his mental health. So a lot of times is the case, unfortunately. I mean, it, fortunately that there's clues. And so if you see them, pick up on them. But right. I can't wait to hear all the disgusting crap that wasn't like noticed by people. But he was completely undiagnosed. He hadn't gotten the medical or the mental care that he so clearly needed. Six nine millimeter shell casings were found on the floor. Five were near the merchandise table where Christina had been standing. One was near Kevin. Two nine millimeter Glock handguns lay near his body with their full magazines. In the back of his black jeans that he was wearing, police found two concealed nylon holsters that were holding the guns clipped inside with his shirt untucked the guns would have been fully hidden from the view. So it sounds like the venue was checking purses if you had them, but they weren't patting anybody down or using medical metal detectors. So he was very easily able to just walk by. Um, you know, you'll be it, tonight where we're actually going to a basketball game in Orlando and we'll probably come across this, you know, those bars. If you ever go to like a, a sporting event or something like that, you'll see you'll walk through this thing that looks like a metal detector, but it's different. And you'll see somebody standing behind a screen and watching things happen. And it'll probably say the company Evolve, E-V-O-L-V. Those are concealed weapons detection products. Oh. So they're not even they're, they are looking for metal, but they're also looking for things that look like guns. So okay. they're, they're so detailed that they can actually see something. Yeah, that's why you can walk through with everything. They don't care if you have metal. They are actually looking on your body to see if there's something shaped like a gun or close to it or a knife or something. And then it, the the software inside of it, I actually sell sell it a little bit. So that's why I know about it. But uh-huh. it, those things are so important to have, but they're super expensive. Right. And this is a small venue in a plaza in Orlando. They're not equipped with this type of security system. And it'd be so awesome. Like I'm just thinking in my head, somehow, some way, if every place could have it somehow, you right. know, I don't know how that would happen. It would take a lot of funding, but so, you know, he's freely walking through the door with these two guns strapped to himself. He also has a tactical knife strapped to his ankle. They found the ticket for the concert in his pocket. It had been printed five days earlier. There was a room key for the courtyard courtyard Marriott in his pocket, along with his Florida driver's license. Police responded to the Marriott and the front desk manager said that Kevin had checked in the day before at 1.30 p.m. This was Thursday, June 9th, after he arrived in a cab. He described him as strange. He said he had no luggage. He paid $269 for the room that he was scheduled to check out of in the morning of the concert. 
When police entered his hotel room, it hadn't, I don't think, been cleaned yet. There was no luggage. There were no personal belongings. The bed was not turned down. It appeared that he had slept on top of the covers. There was a trash can in the room that showed that he had eaten about $16 worth of food from the hotel snack bar. When the hotel room safe was open, police found a drawstring Nike backpack with personal hygiene items inside, as well as a plastic lock gun case. The case contained 9mm ammunition and spare magazines. At the time police were investigating the room, they they were notified that a cab had actually arrived at that moment to pick Kevin up. So they went down and spoke with the cab driver. He said that Kevin had paid $200 for a round trip ride and told him when to come back to the hotel to get him to bring him back to St. Petersburg, Florida. Oh, so he he had planned to leave and come back. He did. Wow. I didn't expect that. I thought the plan would be to just, you know, off yourself there. I don't. It doesn't sound like it. No, because he wouldn't have gotten a round trip um, cab there if that was the case. Absolutely not. Interesting. So the Plaza Live reopened four days after the shootings. The management asked police to evaluate the club's security. Christina's death led to calls for increased security at other venues. I'll evaluate it. It sucks. How Mm -hmm. about that? There's there's your evaluation. Pretty much non-existent other than checking girls' purses that contain nothing but, you know, lipstick in a cell phone. Yeah. So... You know, they're looking at other venues, too, that began installing metal detectors. They added security officers. They also had banned at that time informal meet and greets in the meantime. One witness that night complained that security was more concerned about the food and beverages they were bringing in that they hadn't caught the guns that ultimately killed Christina. Yeah, big surprise. In America, they're more worried about the profits. Right. Well, we want you to buy our water. Right. So dozens of artists and celebrities took to social media in response to Christina's death. Selena Gomez just happened to be performing only a few miles away that night. She wrote a tribute to her friend and dedicated her Miami performance to Christina. At the time of the shootings, Kevin had been living with his dad, Paul, and his brother, Chris. It sounded like Paul's girlfriend also lived with them. When police spoke with them, they indicated that he had no history of mental illness, and this is just diagnosed. He had never been diagnosed. There were many signs. He had never threatened to hurt himself or anyone else in the past. They said that he lived like a hermit. He only left his room to go to his part-time job at Best Buy. He had only one friend in the world, and this was someone he worked with. When police were given permission to search his room, they noticed a thin mattress that was laying on the floor with just blankets on top. There was aluminum foil and heavy curtains on his windows. His dad made the explanation that he had an aversion to light. Hmm. Police found blue earplugs in his room, and they had also found blue earplugs in Kevin's ears when he was found deceased in the Plaza Live floor. So his dad explained that he wore them often because he was uncomfortable with loud noises. On the dresser, police found a flyer for a special burial service, which would spread your remains on the base of a tree. This same flyer was also found in Kevin's pocket when he was deceased. Police were unable to access his cell phone because it was encrypted. His computer was non-functional. It appeared that Kevin had intentionally destroyed the hard drive. So there was a lot of information they didn't have. And not to mention, like, could police get into it? Yeah. If you had, like, the FBI involved, you can get past an encryption of some sort. Like, but we already know who did it. We know. know. Yeah. Is it it really going to help much more? Uh, Yeah, I don't think so. 
He had no criminal record, but in 2014, the St. Petersburg police responded to the family's home because of a domestic disturbance between Kevin and his dad's girlfriend. No arrests were made. The other police record that included uh, Kevin in it was from 2010 when his mom died in the home of an aspirin overdose. Wow. Her death was ruled accidental. Kevin's only friend, Corey, described Kevin's home life as semi-abusive and indicated that Kevin told him that his mother would beat him with a frying pan, she would throw dishes at him, and broke his brother's arm. Wow. His mother's death only fueled the turmoil in Kevin's life. His father, Paul, began dating a woman, a new woman, and the relationship was very volatile. Over a two-year span, police were called on six occasions about fights between the couple. These fights were often centered around alcohol and violence. Yeah, big surprise. Kevin would often retreat to his bedroom during these times. He attended St. Petersburg College for three years until he dropped out in 2010. This was months before his mother's death. With his additional free time, he became obsessed with playing World of Warcraft, which is a multiplayer fantasy online role-playing game. Until he discovered Christina online, he showed little to no interest in girls. It was uh, almost like he was asexual. Yeah, just so happy. Because it's, you know, there's a lot of shut-ins, you know, that, that it's just safer to not be rejected than it is to put yourself out there is, is the thought process, which we just talked about with our kids the other night. That's why I brought it up. I was just like, it's it's better to go out there. You you will be rejected at some point, but mm-hmm. no, like at some point, just you, you'll be better off if you try, you right. know, try to talk to people and yeah, well, certain people say no or whatever. Yeah, sure. But it's like, it's living, it's right. like it's truly living your, your real life instead of just making it easy. Like, no, I'm not going to talk to anybody. And that way I can't get rejected and everything. You know, my, the video games give me everything I need. And it's just so bad that he happened upon Christina's video. Probably at some right. point, you know, like she was the random one that his brain decided she's the one. So his world was all fantasy based. It was all internet based. All people that, exist in the world but they don't know him he doesn't know them so there's no real connections happening it's all fake you can make some good friends online there's some people that meet people you know i i'm an, i'm one of those that says you can't make real friends online because you you talk for hours like in world i'm not a world of warcraft guy but i understand the world it's a world of fantasy you can be a troll you can be a princess whatever you want to be and then you have this horde of people or group clan whatever they call them and you talk like while you're running to the next like kingdom you talk to each other about how your day's going you know it didn't sound like he made a whole lot of connections even online yeah and all the research i did there was no mention of the fact that he spoke a lot with people online it sounded like he really had only one friend in the entire world on online and in real life. And you're right. It does. It's very important to have a connection. Mm -hmm. So Kevin had legally purchased the guns from two different gun shops in St. Petersburg. One was purchased on May 25th, 2016. And after a five day waiting period, he picked it up on May 31st. The second gun was purchased on June 1st, 2016. He picked it up on June 7th, which was three days before the murder. Which, you know, nothing as far as gun laws can go like that. They all did the right thing. There's Mm -hmm. a background check. Nothing came up. Nope. You know, and it's five day waiting period. So if he had something he wanted to do that night, then he couldn't have done it. So he was planned and thought out. Yeah. So neither Paul nor Chris had ever heard Kevin mentioning Christina's name. They never personally saw him even watching The Voice or any of her videos. That's insane. You would think that he would have pictures of her everywhere. He didn't. And it sounded like a lot of the things he was doing was in the privacy of his dark bedroom, 
they probably didn't really go in there to check and see what he was doing. Yeah. No doubt was he sitting there watching these videos. They just never saw it. So they said he spent a great deal of time on the computer that was in his bedroom. They had no idea that he owned or purchased any guns. They had never seen them in the house. A second plastic lock handgun case was found in Kevin's room. It contained spare magazines and ammunition. No photos of Christina or any documents were found related to her. And again, they had no access to his computer. Mm. So it, or his phone. On surface level, walking into his bedroom, there was no sign that he was a you know, obsessed fan. I would picture just stuff about her everywhere. On his phone wow. and on his computer, I'm sure that's the case. Yeah. So Paul told police that Kevin had recently made some really large physical changes. This included losing 50 pounds. He was following a vegan diet to do so. He got his learner's permit because he'd never drove before. He whitened his teeth. He underwent LASIK eye surgery, and he also got hair plugs. Wow. Yeah, a lot. So the last time Paul had seen Kevin was on Thursday. This was when he got into the cab to travel from St. Pete to Orlando. He did not tell his dad where he was going when he left. And, you know, he's a 27-year-old. It's not like they're checking in. Paul said that he got concerned when Kevin hadn't come home on Friday. He also didn't answer his phone when his dad was calling to see where he was. When Paul called Best Buy, he was told that he failed to show up for work. So he was scheduled. Kevin had worked part-time for Best Buy in St. Petersburg for eight years. He worked mostly weekends. He rode his bike to and from work since he didn't have a driver's license or a car. He was also part of their Geek Squad technical support team. When police spoke with his friend Corey, he told police that he believed that he was Kevin's only friend in the world. He had known Kevin for 15 years. He was aware of his fixation on Christina. He had known about it for about six months to a year. Six months to a year. Corey believed that his friend spent basically every waking hour of his life watching YouTube videos of Christina and stalking her social media pages. Kevin himself did not have any social media accounts. He was just uh, an observer. Mm -hmm. So Corey said that he started to realize that Kevin's interest in Christina was not healthy about six to eight weeks earlier. He recalled a troubling conversation they had when Kevin, who claimed to be an atheist, said that Christina's belief in Christianity had changed him and allowed him to see the world in a different way. He said, if there is a God, it has seen it in her. It was Corey's understanding that Kevin had never tried to directly contact Christina. He had never attended a concert of hers before. And incidentally, Christina had previously performed in Orlando on March 4th, 2016, which was three months earlier. And it was uh, confirmed that Best Buy records showed that Kevin had worked that night of that concert. Corey was unaware that Christina was performing in Orlando, let alone the fact that Kevin was planning to go see her that June. So Corey said that when he voiced to Kevin that his ideas of beginning a relationship with Christina might be illogical, he Kevin would get angry. He would get very defensive. Wow. So he would not entertain the idea that the plan might not work. And he threatened to end his friendship with Corey when he continued to voice doubts. So he did not like it when Corey was saying, eh, so, so Corey this just might like, not work. All right, I'm going to drop the subject. And uh, that way you won't get angry at me for uh, having these crazy thoughts. And it really sounds like, you know, that we're saying a friendship. It sounds like really they mostly just interact through Best Buy. I don't think they spent much time together outside of work. Maybe it was one-sided too. 
Yeah, and it sounds like truly the only time Kevin left his house was to work part-time at Best Buy, not to socialize outside of work. So Corey said that Kevin referred to Christina as his soulmate, but he never spoke of any specific plans of meeting her, let alone hurting her. Right. So the last time Corey talked to Kevin was Sunday, June 5th. This was five days earlier. They had worked together at this point. So police asked about Kevin's demeanor that day, and Corey said, now looking back in hindsight, there had been a lot of weird and strange things. Kevin returned some magazines that he had borrowed from Corey months before and told him, I love you, brother. He told Corey that he was tired and he was ready to ascend. Corey wasn't sure what he meant by this, but he never mentioned hurting himself or anyone else. He had no made no mention that he was purchasing guns, had purchased guns, nothing like that. Yeah. A lot of the things he was doing, he was keeping to himself as he lived his life. He lived his life like a hermit. Mm -hmm. So Corey was concerned. He was concerned enough to mention Kevin's obsession with their boss at Best Buy. And when word spread of his internet crush on Christina, his coworkers teased him in a good-natured way. There was an alleged interaction between Kevin and another coworker who claimed that when he was shown a picture of Christina and her producer, Kevin, I'm sorry, and her producer, I guess they were like having their arms around each other, that Kevin became enraged. But whether or not this happened, we don't know because of the eight Best Buy workers that police did speak with, none claimed to be the source of the story. Kevin's supervisor, who was Luke Dahl, described Kevin as socially awkward and detached. He said that he heavily lacked social skills, and over the years, the managers had bounced him around to various departments to find what best suited him. They ultimately found that he was best suited to work on computers in the back where he wasn't interacting with the customers. You're going to stay away from the customers as far as possible because we don't really feel safe and uh, that you would have any kind of good job with these people. You can't connect with people. So go sit sit in the back, and he's probably like, okay, see ya. I'm sure he was very happy with that. So Luke had never heard Kevin mention Christina, but had spoken with Corey, because again, Corey was concerned, who told him that his relationship with Kevin was starting to fall apart because of his unrealistic infatuation with Christina. Luke never spoke with Kevin about this, but he did see him at his workstation watching her YouTube videos. Five other coworkers were aware of his infatuation, but they were not aware of the extent of it. They noticed his physical changes for sure because they were large, but they didn't notice any mental changes. He was kind of always quiet and awkward and yeah. reserved. And they probably didn't want to talk to him much anyway, so they would, yeah, didn't know everything he was thinking. It sounds like he was a pretty closed book. Yeah. So one coworker mentioned that during a conversation with Kevin, he bragged that he had played online games with Christina but this was never proven to be true. Yeah. On the day of the murder, he taped a note to his door on the home that he shared with his family that read deepest sorrow for the lost to the Christina family, friends and fans of the very talented, loving Christina Grimmy. No other comments. So he had written this on a piece of white paper and taped it to their door. Obviously his nobody in the household noticed that note. Yeah. So it's interesting that he did decide that he was going to off himself. I wonder why he chose the you know round trip just in case, maybe. Maybe just in case he hadn't fully thought it out. Yeah. 
So a loss prevention officer from the Old Navy store, which shared the shopping center with the Plaza Live Theater, contacted police and told them that he believed that Kevin had been in their store before the shooting. So police reviewed the surveillance footage. They watched as he entered at 6.54 p.m., which was 30 minutes before the concert was starting. He purchased a black baseball cap that he was seen wearing, as well as a bottle of water. He put the hat on while he was still in the store, and then he exited. When video from a man who had been hired to film the show was reviewed, police could clearly see Kevin standing against the back wall as Christina was performing. All reviewed footage indicated that he was at the venue by himself. When Mark spoke with police, he said that Christina had never received any threats, never received any unwanted attention that was making her uncomfortable from overly aggressive fans. No warnings of any sort. No. She was completely unaware of his existence. He had never, um, Mark had never seen Kevin before. He hadn't noticed him during the concert or any previous shows of their tour. Neither Mark nor any other witness overheard Kevin speak to Christina before he opened fire. So it sounds like he just waited quietly and patiently in line until it was his turn, never spoke a single word to her. That's when she noticed that he seemed uncomfortable and she opened her arms for a hug and this is when he shot her. Like you're about to hug somebody that you're obsessed with. Like you wouldn't that be so much better than killing them? Obviously it would to us people that don't have these mental problems and issues. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't even like, you know, obviously we talk about a lot of these horrible incidents, but this one is even harder to understand in my opinion. Like sometimes it's like, okay, this head person had rage and an uncontrollable desire, sexual desire, whatever, you know, and then that's how they got off. But it was just like, Maybe this is sexually motivated too, I guess. Like the power, I guess, is, is all I can think of, but that's nuts. So again, witnesses confirm that at the time that Christina was shot, she was standing with open arms. She was completely unaware of the tragic of her tragic fate. Mark said that his little sister made efforts to connect with her fans. She treated everyone the same. It wasn't easy for Christina because at heart she was an introverted person. So she was actively putting herself out there every time she performed and interacted with fans. Yeah. And she did love it, but it wasn't it wasn't an easy thing for her. Sure. So, um, you know, police then reviewed Christina's phone. It was clear that there had never been contact between her and Kevin in the past. There was never evidence of threatening texts or emails. Christina's autopsy showed that she had suffered from a fatal gunshot wound to the side of her head. It was clear that the bullet was fired within close range. There were also three gunshot wounds to her torso. Six months after Christina's murder, her family filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the concert promoter, the foundation that owns the venue, and the security company that was working the event. The lawsuit was dismissed, but the family was allowed to refile the suit. Dismissed for what? I don't know. (laughs) Like, that's insane. Unless, like, somebody screwed up somehow. Like, you're getting millions or so you're getting something from that. Obviously, that's not what they're going for. They want to make sure this doesn't happen again to some other poor girl or guy or whoever. That clearly changes need to be made to protect other people. It's too late. Their daughter is gone. Yeah. These companies either need to go bankrupt or change something. Like, something needs to change. Right. 
So the lawsuit, again, the family was allowed to refile. So the Grimmie family felt that the security measures were clearly not adequate. The records show that on December 3rd, 2019, the Grimmie family voluntarily dismissed the case. Uh So for those with hopes and dreams of one day becoming famous, it's a very fine line between seeming accessible to fans and maintaining your personal safety. Obviously, there's very high-profile celebrities. They're touring with security and bodyguards at all times. But then you look at somebody like Christina. She's just starting out. She's putting down the pavement so that she can one day hopefully be to that caliber. But at the time, you know, they don't have the ability to afford that that kind of protection. So she's out there connecting with fans without anyone there to protect her. She's trying that grassroots approach. Of course. I mean, you think about somebody like Taylor Swift. Obviously, she's got a crew of people that are protecting her, and rightly so. But it's hard when you're just starting out. There have been so many instances of fans that have been crossing the lines of a celebrity's personal safety and their space. And like, what right do you have to freaking touch anybody? Like, it's beyond me. I'm so big on personal space. Don't come into my space. Right. And these people are out there performing for the fans and then they're crossing the line. And there were various examples I can give. You know, there was a woman that rushed at Adam Levine as he was performing on stage. There was a time when Taylor Swift is walking up and down the stage singing and somebody grabs out as her at her leg. And, you know, she's clearly startled. She's in the middle of a moment singing and somebody's grabbing her leg. Justin Bieber was charged at as he was on stage. Beyonce was nearly pulled from the stage as she performed in Brazil. Even celebrities with protection, they can only minimize the risks. They're never able to completely eliminate them, even in the safety of their own homes. I mean, Taylor Swift said she found a guy that there was a guy sleeping in her apartment in some location. Well, you see all these like videos and things as far back as Elvis and the Beatles and Michael Jackson and, you know, now Beyonce and Taylor Swift. There's people that are like, you know, pay for floor seats and they're like screaming and crying that. Yeah, we watched YouTube of somebody at one of Taylor Swift concerts. She's like, "Oh, mother!" calls her mother, mother. I'm like, "That's not that's not well." Like, don't call her mother. Her name's just Taylor. She's a girl that's really great at singing and a fantastic. Yeah, we we talk about Taylor Swift a lot because our daughter loves Taylor Swift. She is a Swifty through and through. Whether we like it or not, we're hearing about Taylor Swift all the time. All the time. (laughs) Every every single thing we talk about is a lyric in Taylor Swift. All the time. I I didn't know that. But um, (laughs) anyways, yeah, it's just like so. Even our daughter, we're like. She's just a girl, you know, she's, uh, it's fantastic. You love her music. I'm glad she inspires you. She's really cool, but just know that she's not perfect. She's Uh, a human being just like you and I. Yeah. She's not infallible. Like there's things that are, you know, she probably could do better. Sure. And I'm glad you like her, but support her for sure. But also know that there's a lot of like, just like anybody else has, you know, there's, there's things that happen. Yeah. It's I remember, I'm sorry. I just cut you off. No, it's not healthy for that. I remember being a kid because I was just obsessed with the Beatles when I was a kid and John Lennon was killed about when I was probably about a year old. And I remember my parents telling me about what happened and I couldn't wrap my head around how you could say a fan, a fan of his shot him. And in my head, I was like, 
But if you're a fan, why would you want to hurt your the person who's producing all this music and putting out the things you love? I don't get it. Like it, you would have to, uh, being a standard person, you'd think it's hate. You, know? you would think it was hate. Uh, maybe they wrote it. I, mean, I don't know. Like nothing makes real sense, but it's like, okay, maybe you're just imbalanced and you hate all their music and you can't stand them. So you want them to stop. It was the opposite. <laughs> right. Though. It's so not, I don't get it. It's all. trying to understand something that, you know, it's you, not understandable. It's not understandable. <laughs> Christina's tragic murder was very quickly overshadowed, and I'm sure we'll all remember this night, by the Pulse nightclub massacre. I was thinking that, and that happened in Orlando, too. 26 hours later. Are you 3. kidding? 3.5 miles away. Oh, my God. That's crazy, because the way you were describing it, it was like, you know, a scene and people running out of a nightclub. Oh, I just got I goosebumps. Thought, I thought Pulse, you know, and I was just like... <sighs> Yep. So this happened 26 hours later. Christina was murdered on Friday night. This was Saturday, June 20. I'm sorry. Let me restart that. Saturday, June 11th, 2016. This was only three and a half miles away from the Plaza Live where Christina was murdered. The venue is one of Orlando's best known gay clubs. It was hosting their Latin night, which was packed. It was packed with gay people, straight people, young people, not so young people, people that were just looking to have a fun night. That's why everybody was there. At about 2 a.m., now in the early morning hours of Sunday, June 12th, 320 people remained in the club when shots rang out, very similar to what happened just a few miles away 24 hours earlier. Interesting, because you would have thought that would make more news headlines, you know, and that's why. That's why. Yeah. That's why we never heard about this. All hell broke loose. People began running for the door, jumping over gates, trying to escape the chaos that felt like an absolute war zone because it was. The shooter was Omar Mateen. He was identified as an, he identified himself, I should say, as an Islamic soldier. He threatened to detonate explosive as he held clubgoers hostage in police until police, as well as the SWAT team. This was like crazy. So they were all involved and they eventually broke through the bathroom wall with explosive charge and armored vehicles at 5.02 a.m. So for three hours, people were bleeding out in the club. They were being held hostage. It was a nightmare. And Mateen emerged and he began firing at police until he himself was shot dead. The 29-year-old gunman was born in New York. He was a U.S. citizen. His parents moved to New York from Afghanistan in the 1980s. We shouldn't even like talk about it. I know, but I just, to give you a background of what happened here, eventually the family relocated to Port St. Lucie, Florida, which was about two and a half hours from Orlando. So just like Kevin, he traveled to this location. He was married. He had a three-year-old son. His father couldn't understand what prompted this. All they could think back on was that just a few days earlier, he had gotten angered after he saw two men kissing. Of course, that's it. <sighs> just disgusting. Like, uh, what a horrible hate crime. Just horrible, insane. disgusting, horrific. And 49 innocent victims lost their lives that night. Dozens of others were injured. 49 is like so many. It's, so many. I mean, we're not there. There's no comparison of anything like everything. Any one person dying is horrible. It's a loss of a life, an innocent life. Yeah. Christina's family held a private funeral for her on June 16th, 2016 in her hometown. And the next day, a public memorial was held, which was attended by thousands of loved ones and fans who offered their condolences and remembered the incredibly talented singer, who was also a lovely human being. 
Adam Levine offered to pay for Christina's funeral, which uh, touched her family. That's super sweet. So sweet. And it made them remember that there was still good in the world. Yeah. Even though the world at that point for them seems so dark. Good on you, Adam Levine. Yeah. I know it's not a lot to him, you know, but that it's, but it's still just a nice the, gesture. The gesture that yeah. his heart was in the place. Yeah. In March of 2022, Christina's song Rule the World. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Oh, just you're a human being and you should never say sorry for feeling emotions and sadness. These like we when we started, this is the absolute worst thing that's ever happened to this family and they wish they could wipe this day off their entire existence, you know, and still have their baby. And, you know, just the whole thing with the the Pulse nightclub just 24 hours later. And sometimes you can get wrapped up in the thing that like there's so much bad in the world, but there is so much good in the world, too. It's just sometimes the bad is just so bad. It's just shocking. Nobody's watching the news to hear about, well, today a cat was saved from a tree and uh, somebody helped an old lady across the street because nobody would watch that. We need more of that. Well, no, because uh, we do. Yeah, but you're not going to watch it. I won't watch it because it's boring, right? So this that's why people are listening to this right now because we all is his human beings. We like to feel emotions because it makes us feel alive. That's why we're human beings and we're not bugs and we're not animals. Well, and remembering these people that were lost. Right. So in March of 2000 or 2022, even after her death, Christina's song Rule the World was released as part of her family's goals to keep her legacy alive. Her family formed the Christina Grimmie Foundation in April of 2017 with the goal of supporting families that have been affected by gun violence. In the first year alone, they gave away more than $420,000. Sadly, Christina's mom, Tina, lost her battle with breast cancer at age 59 in September of 2018, a little bit more than two years after Christina passed away. Mm -hmm. Mark said that with his mom's death, the family was able to prepare for it, to say goodbye to her, which was a stark contrast to how he lost his baby sister. Yeah. Mark paid tribute to his sister on Facebook and wrote that she was his partner in life. She was a superstar, a goofball, introverted, and a friend to everyone, genuinely. Above all, she was my baby sister. And that is the tragic and sad murder of Christina Grimmie. Does uh, Mark Grimmie do well online? I don't know. Yeah, that'd be, I mean, yeah, I'm sure he does okay for himself. Sounds like he was pretty talented musician. Yeah, and it was just a great thing that the two of them could be together through her tourings because it's got to be scary to be away from your family, going from city to city and, you know, putting yourself out there. And I'm sure having his brother or her brother on tour with her was just a great comfort. And truly somebody that has your best interests in mind, you Mm -hmm. know, like who cares about you through and through. Yeah. Basically your best friend who's also your brother, who's also been known you your entire life. Right. That's just awesome. Like you said something that sounds stupid, like reminding her to eat breakfast or something or eating lunch or because, but people like that, you know, you have your manager pulling you in a million directions. It's like, okay, you got to do an interview at one and then you got to do a YouTube clip at like two o'clock and then we got to hit something on this thing at three o'clock and then it's like, okay, okay, okay. And then, okay, make up real quick because you're going to be on camera and then it's like, hey, uh, eat some bananas yes, or something. Here, yes. just take a quick sandwich. You know, like mm-hmm. little stuff like that is so important to be just healthy in yourself. So. You're always good at doing that to me because I'm somebody that when I get busy, I only focus on what I need to do. I don't focus on my needs. And you're like, okay, you need to stop and eat. Take like care yesterday. of yourself. Yeah, like yesterday. You're like, I does it too busy to eat. I'm like, you have to eat. If you can't eat, then you're not good to anybody. You know, I know. You got you to do that. And she had her brother to bring her back down and say, okay, you, we can do all these things, but you still have to take care of yourself. And it just sounded like they had such an amazing relationship because a lot of siblings do butt heads and sure. not see eye to eye. 
And it sounded like that was a pretty special bomb that they had. Yeah, it's that is special. So. Just a sad case. As yeah. they all are again. Yep, absolutely. But thank you guys so much for being here. And um, thank you to our loyal, lovely patrons. Yep. If you love what we do, a great way to support us for free is to you know subscribe to our YouTube, subscribe to our uh, our, pay- or our, our podcast. Our podcast. Thank you. That's what we're doing right now. And I'm in good uh, shape. Well, you know how it is. I say sometimes we forget our words, but I'm here to help you. You're here to help me, Mike. Thank you. I'm getting older. So we want to say welcome to our latest patrons of the Crime and Coffee Couple Club. Uh, Roxanne, Kenzie, Morgan, Laura, Alyssa, and Marilyn. Welcome. Thank um, you guys so much. Real quick. Can uh, I, I know what you're going to do. Please. Go ahead. Is that okay? Yeah, I know what you're going to do. Roxanne, you don't have to put Oh, Lord. Wow. Wow. That, back when I used to drink, that was my favorite drinking <laughs> song. If you want to actually get hammered and drink uh, a lot of alcohol and really just probably do the wrong thing and abuse alcohol how about you drink water when you hear that song well then you'll be very hydrated yeah it's a good thing this is a yeah because there's a lot of people that drink still just drink every time they say roxanne in that song (laughs) and you will get uh, i think three or four beers down yeah it's a lot we did do that (laughs) oh man back in our younger days yeah but thank you all for becoming patrons we appreciate it and the supporting this little ma and pa podcast i'm pa and i'm ma and again, we see you Apple uh, podcast subscribers out there. Thank you guys so much. Again, we don't have your names. If you would like a shout out, just shoot us a direct message on Instagram and we will shout you out because we do appreciate it. And we appreciate every single one of you for being here. So thank you guys so much. And I'm doing a like gun, gun, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, yeah, on, on YouTube. This will be on YouTube a couple hours after it comes up on the, the podcast. Yes, world. indeed. And have, have a wonderful Super Bowl time. We're going to eat lots of chicken wings i think there's like millions and millions of pounds of chicken wings can consume oh, on super bowl sunday i thought you were talking about our family i'm like i'm only i can't eat that many i'm <laughs> only having 2,000 calories a day yeah so we won't derail you yeah. but until next time bye, bye.